About three years ago, Jerry Angelini was my guest on Gesundheit with Jacobus. He is an educator for the medicinal mushrooms company Host Defense. Jerry will be back, this time elaborating on the use of the mushroom lion's mane for memory and cognition, the company's research with honeybees, and how mushrooms can support our immune system. Tune in and be part of my 900th live radio show. It's Gesundheit with Jacobus. To Gesundheit with Jacobus, Health Talk Radio, integrating allopathic and all natural medicine one show at a time. Here is your host, Jacobus Hollowine. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's nice to be with you. Jerry Angelini is my guest. He is an integrative practitioner with training and experience in psychiatric and chronic illness rehabilitation, and he is the host, defense education director. His undergraduate and graduate degrees from Boston University form the foundation of his conventional medical training, which is augmented by traditional Chinese medicine herbalism, Ayurveda, and Western clinical herbalism. Additional training in clinical aromatherapy, neuromuscular therapy, Tui Na, and lymphatic drainage therapy, as well as the more energetic interventions of craniosacral therapy, Reiki, and Qigong round out his practice. Since 2012, Jerry has led the National Science Education Team for Host Defense Mushrooms. Working closely with Dr. Paul Stamets, Jerry offers mycologically and herbally informed education across the United States, as well as in countries such as Canada, Dubai, Croatia, and Scandinavia, reaching out to all levels of learners, including medical professionals, retail staff, and consumers, Jerry's trainings focus on the benefits that certain mushroom species and mushroom herb preparations can have on immune function and our overall health and wellness. Throughout his career, Jerry has provided classes and lectures on a wide range of health-related topics to audiences of all ages, backgrounds, and professions. He is a delightful and engaging speaker whose warm and generous demeanor captures the attention and respect of learners of every level. You can go to the website hostdefense.com, hostdefense.com. You can go to a website called fungiperfecti.com, F-U-N-G-I, and then perfecti, with an I at the end, dot com. Uh, you can find them on Facebook on the Host Defense. And if you need to get a hold of the company, by all means, 877 Zero four six nine two six five zero four six nine two six. Jerry, great pleasure to see you. Good morning to you. Good morning, Jacobus. It's great to be back on the show. Thank you. That is uh, absolutely a pleasure. It was three years. I couldn't believe it. I said, Jerry must remember me. But you are so busy. You're, <laughs> you're traveling. You're traveling so much. And uh, what a great topic. I really appreciate uh, you want to share some with us because mushrooms. When you read about it, the medicinal mushrooms 
are a fascinating topic because of all the research that has been done on it and the fact that it has been used for so long. Give us a little bit of insight on that, please. Yes. Yeah, um, <clears throat> beneficial mushrooms, not just the ones that we eat, although those are also being studied pretty significantly, <clears throat> But the ones that have been used in traditional ethnobotanical practices like traditional Chinese medicine or um, maybe uh, the approaches to health and wellness from northern Europe and uh, Russia, eastern Europe, and also in North America, uh, there are these fungal substances that have been used for literally centuries and in some cases millennia. Mm. And if you go back to like traditional Chinese medicine, they've used uh, mushrooms like reishi and cordyceps for literally thousands of years. And yeah. that's that's really impressive, you know, for a substance to be used continuously for a couple thousand years. That's a good point. You, yeah. You know, you know, they figured something out about it, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's something good that's going on there. And then when we take a look at the scientific research that's been carried out over the past 60, 70 years on some of these fungal substances for their beneficial impact on our, our health and wellness, uh, it, it, it then just kind of brings that Western and Eastern, the clinical and the research together. And we're finding out tremendous information about these, uh, these, these substances. It's, it's been, it's been really beautiful to actually see them together. Now, Paul Stamets, the, uh, the man who started Fungi Perfecti and then host the fans right now, there, there, is a, there is a relation there between, I think, one is more the retail side and one is more the research uh, side. Is that fair to say? So the Fungi, fungi Perfecti is the uh, parent company. Okay. Uh, Paul has had Fungi Perfecti for, I don't know, like three decades. Uh, and that's where we do all of the growing uh we sell direct to consumer through Fungi Perfecti. Okay. Uh, and host defense is more the wholesale aspect where we're selling to retailers. Although we do now have a host defense uh, retail site uh, on hostdefense.com where people can purchase that. But um, so host defense has become the brand name and Fungi Perfecti is the parent company. Okay. So the uh, so Paul has been working on it for over forty years, my from what I'm reading, and then you go, yeah. you, you think, then you look at some of the the books that he has written; they're very interesting. But he is referring a lot to the Japanese uh, studies. Why is it that the Japanese have done so much work on this? Do you think? Well, it's it's the Japanese studies, but also the Chinese studies, okay. and it's just because both, you know, that uh, the Far East they've been using these particular mushrooms in their ethnobotanical practice for literally two millennia. Okay. And so they have no fear around mushrooms. They have no preconceived negative emotions around mushrooms. They've been using them for health and wellness for centuries. And uh, as they became more uh, research-based, they, of course, brought their natural substances into that kind of research approach. You know, here in the United States, and um, uh, we have this mycophobia, uh, and for some of 
us, you know, we were brought up, oh, don't eat what have, what's out in the, you know, in the forest. Don't eat a yeah. mushroom because it could kill you, right? Yes, yes. And, and so we have for a certain, to a certain degree, lost that connection to some of these really powerful, beneficial substances. Uh, and, you know, that's one, one of the things that we've been doing at Host Defense is kind of reinvigorating that positive relationship mm-hmm. uh, that humans have had with fungi for thousands of years. Yeah. So, okay. So all of a sudden, the technology, the techniques, the science has caught up to the point where they say we can actually analyze these uh, the substances, the, the components, the what makes this mushroom uh, so successful for us for thousands of years. Hmm. Exactly. And this is uh, what you see a lot in, in the literature from China and Japan. They have broken down the various components, uh, and there are different kinds. There are these uh, polysaccharides, uh, which are uh, sugar, sugar, like really complex sugar molecules. Right. And then there are these terpene molecules that are more alcohol-soluble. There are fat-soluble molecules and even vitamins and minerals. And this this group of molecule uh, substances we call extracellular metabolites, mm-hmm. uh, which the mushroom mycelium secrete. And these are things like enzymes and uh, things like ergothionine. And so there's all these really, really interesting compounds that you find in, in mushrooms that make them really complex substances that have a huge range of impact on our bodies is it and so, our minds yeah. too yeah is it yeah. so that the different mushrooms and i, I we're going to get more into this the mushrooms that uh, host defense is using and fungi perfect uh, fungi perfecti is using uh, do they all have very similar components, but in different gradations and different percentages, or are they sometimes really different? So they all have similar classes of compounds. So they'll have the polysaccharides and the terpenes and the sterols and lipids, but they look very different from species to species. Mm-hmm. So the ones that Reishi has are very different in their structure and how they impact our physiology as compared to the ones, say, in lion's mane or cordyceps or chaga. Okay. So they have the same classes of compounds, but the individual specific compounds are species-specific for sure. Also. Wow. Okay. Good morning, Cola. Thanks for joining the program today. What's your name? How can we help you? Hey, good morning. And I uh, wanted to ask your expert a question. I've been watching a, uh, a movie uh, on uh, uh, Alaska. Are you? I, hold on a second. Are you on a? Uh, are you on a speakerphone? I am on a. We can we can barely hear you. We can barely hear what you're saying. Really? Yeah. You, you, How's that? Is that better? That is a lot better. Okay. I've been watching a movie that is set uh, in uh, up around the Arctic Circle, the guy homesteading up there, and he is utilizing the uh, looks like fungal growth off of a uh, some form of an aspen or a populus tree. On that, he's calling it cha-cha. Cha-cha? And he, cha-cha, and he makes tea out of it. 
uh, all the time and drinks it. I was just wondering if anybody had any idea what that what he was actually using there. It could be chaga. Yeah, chaga. yeah that's probably chaga. what it is. Chaga. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Can, Especially can, when you get. I was wondering if your expert could expound a bit on chaga. Yeah, it's a very interesting mushroom. Do you want to stay on the line or you want to hang up? I'll just listen to what he said. Okay, cool. So he would Thank like to you. know if you're welcome. Yeah, one of the mushrooms that's been used in, especially in Eastern Europe, Scandinavia, even in uh, the British Isles, uh, and also in the U.S. and Canada, is a mushroom called chaga. And its uh, scientific name is Anonitus obliquus. And this is a... It's a really interesting uh, mushroom because it typically grows on birch, beech, aspen trees, uh, uh, things of that, uh, th things of uh, like trees like that. And uh, it looks really strange. It doesn't look like your typical mushroom. In fact, it looks like it's a growth on a tree. Yeah, like a black and growth, right? It looks yeah, kind of spongy. Really but it's it looks like it's um, – it looks crusty is actually what crusty. it looks like on the tree, yeah. And uh, indigenous peoples have been using this particular mushroom for centuries as well. And what we have found in research associated with chaga is that it helps balance the immune system quite strongly, especially in um, – tissue that has epithelial cells. Okay. Uh, epithelial cells are what we like to call barrier tissues. So your skin has a lot of epithelial tissue associated with it. Mm -hmm. Your lungs have um, epithelial tissue and your gastrointestinal tract is epithelial as well. Right. And what we found in research specifically is that chaga helps modulate uh, the immune response to tissue that is prone to overreacting to things like uh, pollen, animal dander, oh. uh, maybe oh. maybe even food reactivity. Uh, and it can balance how the immune system reacts and responds to help keep it more within what we would like to call like a Goldilocks zone. So it keeps it really balanced. Okay. Uh, and that's important because we want to make sure that our immune systems are strong, right, because their function is to protect us from pathogens in our environment and on our body, yes. but also to identify mutations in our cell structure. And mm -hmm. um, some scientists uh, in, uh, in the West here believe that, you know, each of us creates between two to 500 tumor cells every day. And we have an immune system to identify those uh, mutations in our cells and also pathogens in our microbiome and Correct. then destroy them. Correct. But one of the things that we've been noticing, in, especially in the Western world, is an increased incidence and prevalence of allergic reactivity and autoimmune reactivity. Right. And these two things are the immune system – 
that have gone haywire. So they've gone overreactive. Uh, and interestingly enough, they are different cells within the immune system uh, as opposed to the cells that identify pathogens and cell mutations. So there's this weird like dysregulation that we're seeing more and more in today's world, like yeah. a compromised immune response, mm -hmm. but also overreactive at the same time. And Chaga helps keep that immune response right in the middle. So it keeps it nice and strong where it's supposed to, but it helps reduce overreactivity. Wow, that's uh, fascinating. Uh, I, I think I heard once also that chaga is good for the pineal gland and helping people sleep at night. Is that uh, correct? You know, I haven't read any specific research on that. So okay. uh, oftentimes what we'll see, like people will have like, like a blog going and they'll use a particular substance and then they'll write a blog and people refer to that blog back and forth. And it might help a particular person or maybe a specific group of people. I haven't read any research specifically on chaga and sleep. Okay. Um, But there are some other mushrooms that can help, um, like, obtain uh, better sleep states uh, and prepare the body so that when you actually do sleep, you can actually sleep better. Do you, can you mention one to us, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, brought it up. Reishi, yeah, Reishi, Reishi and lion's mane. Oh, lion's, lion's mane, mane. okay. Yeah, they both help balance uh, um The sympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. So especially with reishi, that sympathetic nervous system is your fight or flight mechanism. Yes. Uh, and that's that like, uh, like people who are like type A have a really engaged fight or flight mechanism. Or yes. also just some people are a little bit more neurologically reactive and uh, reishi down regulates the sympathetic nervous system, uh, mo mo pretty moderately to a, to a good degree. Yeah. And that can help people get Get ready to go to sleep. I see. Um, I see. Yeah. Folks, you're listening to Gesundheit with Jacobus. I am your host, Jacobus Holloway. My guest this morning is Jerry Angelini, who is the national educator, host defense education director. Host Defense is a company that has been working with medicinal mushrooms for more than 40 years. And uh, Paul Stamets is the man who <laughs> behind the company, and he has really done an, a bang-up job on that whole uh, on, on the mushrooms and bringing it to the public as something that has been used in other cultures for many thousands of years. And so over here it has gotten popular too by just It is just uh, fascinating to be able that we have these medicinal mushrooms now. If you have any questions, 522-8255. You can go to the website from uh, Host Defense, which is hostdefense.com. You find more information over there, and then you can look them up on the Internet, many other ways to get more information. Go to YouTube and see more videos etc so uh, thank you so much for all for tuning in today we're coming close to a break but i want to ask you jerry we um actually there was a very interesting question about the chaga um and i hope we're going to talk more about chaga today because it's a, it's a great it's a great mushroom um we're coming close like i said but i maybe we can hit on the topic of these medicinal mushrooms dosage if you say This is very good for immune modulating for people who have allergies, people who have uh, more uh, fights with their immune system. Uh, because most of the bottles say two capsules a day. And it is a whole food. It's a concentrated food. Uh, but 
I, I heard you say in another interview that you can take up to nine grams a day before anything becomes toxic, but most of the time the body doesn't really need that much. When people have a certain, uh, they're fighting something, what is a dosage that is usually seen anecdotally or otherwise that is helpful? Great question. Right. So uh, one gram a day is great for just maintenance to support your immune response, to kind of keep you healthy. Uh, if you really want to like bump up your immune system, uh, two, three, sometimes four grams a day can be really helpful for people that want to get their immune systems into a really strong engagement process. Um, okay. We have seen, we have some preliminary research in a human clinical trial that showed up to nine grams had no toxicity associated with it. Yeah. Um, some people did have some um, bowel reactivity, which is understandable. That's a lot of nine grams of mushrooms is a lot. Um, and, but what we found is that really moving up to around six grams, like you don't see much of a difference between six grams to nine grams. So oh, okay. you, you don't see a huge change over six grams. And uh, it's six grams, and that's a lot of material. That's a lot yes. of mushrooms. So yes. um, you do want to just take into consideration that you could have some GI upset, maybe loose stool as your body's going through okay. uh, kind of a gut remodeling uh, because, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the mushrooms are pretty cool. We'll talk about We'll talk about when we come back. Too. All right, folks, we're going yeah. to take a short break. Uh, Jerry Angelini, my guest today, medicinal mushrooms is the topic that we're discussing. Please stay tuned. We're going to be right back. We have a caller on hold. Good morning, caller. Thanks for joining the program today. By the way, good morning, Jerry. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> yeah, there is a... let's, let's try an iconoclast. There is a, a theory that if some people are allergic to a food, we all have the potential to have adverse reactions to that food. The most common things that people are allergic to are peanuts, milk, pork, eggs, shellfish, wheat, soy. Some would say stay away from these foods in general because a percentage of us are like canaries in a coal mine. They're warning us that all bodies don't react well to these foods. So to extrapolate, since some people have terrible life-threatening reactions to some mushrooms, all mushrooms should be. Do you, with uh, your experiences, see any validity in these concerns about overuse of mushrooms? Uh, so your question is more about uh, food reactivity, and if a lot of people use mushrooms, that it could be problematic. Does that sound about right? <laughs> <laughs> so, Daniel, yeah, it sounds like um, your question is really focused around food reactivity and food allergies. And we are seeing more and more food reactivity and allergies, uh, per se, like me, in the general population. Feels, uh, and this is something that is more an indication of how our immune systems are dysregulated uh, in our world today. Uh, we're not really sure why we're seeing a greater presence of immune dysregulation. The, we just know that we can, we can 
chart its progression and the increase in food reactivity. Uh, mushrooms tend to be pretty low in terms of number of people that have food reactivities to mushrooms. And for the most part, they are really associated with a specific mushroom, like uh, people are allergic to shiitake mushrooms, or they're allergic to white button mushrooms, but rarely are they allergic to both. Okay. And, and there will always be those special people um, that are allergic to all of them, but that's really super rare. Mm-hmm. Um, what we do know is that mushrooms have been a part of the cuisine of almost every culture on the planet, um, and they have been used as food sources for literally 7,000 years. Uh, and that's as, that's as far as we can get back to the uh, archaeological information that shows these relationships between humans and mushrooms. Mm. Um, and it goes back to a particular cave drawing in Algeria called uh, the Tassili Caves, where it actually shows a, a human figure with a bee head and mushrooms all over them. So uh, we, yeah, we think that was more ceremonial and may have been using the um, psilocybin mushrooms. Uh, we're guessing this is now, the psilocybin mushrooms are more the uh, mind enhancing, the uh, right, the hallucinating. The hallucinating, ones. yes, because they're around the head. Yes, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, but but it does show uh, a connection there that goes that dates back seven thousand years. So we know that there is this human mushroom connection. Uh, we always want to be careful for people if they're showing food reactivity. But just because people have a reactivity to like eggs or maybe they're reactive to gluten or maybe they're reactive to corn or soy, it doesn't mean that they're going to be reactive to any other substance. They might be, but they might not. So really you go through a process of of figuring out what foods do you really work well with? What does your body really like using as a nutritional source and what do they not? And so that's really the best way to figure out if a particular person should be eating any substance mm-hmm. is you use what's called a food diary. Okay. Um, and there's, there's great ways to, um, you've got to be really on top of your food diary and you have to I, you know, put every single thing you've eaten and had, uh, you know, to drink as well. Yeah, yeah. And then you have to, you have to then observe how your body responds to those things. And uh, so, uh, you know, there are these methods that you can use to figure out if you in particular have a uh, reactivity to food. Um, but yeah. I, I, you know, I don't make a blanket statement because we're all individual. Yeah, but I think that really uh, specific experience. One thing, Jerry, that you're bringing up is that mushrooms have been used in in cuisines all across the world, and maybe it is good for our listeners to understand that there are really four types of mushrooms. There is the edible mushroom, like mm-hmm. the morels, but also quite a few of the medicinal mushrooms are very tasty. Uh, I've heard you talk about some of these; they're very tasty. And some of yeah. them even they make tea out of. So you can you can consume them. Then there are the therapeutic or medicinal mushrooms. Then there are the toxic mushrooms or the poisonous mushrooms. 
And then, yeah. and, and, and I heard you say, when they're poisonous, they're really poisonous. <laughs> yeah, they tend to be really poisonous. <laughs> uh, I wonder how they check that out, you know, that you let somebody taste it or whatever. But, and then there are the yeah. hallucinating mushrooms. Maybe you want yeah. to elaborate on some of that a little bit. Yeah, so we call these the four basic groups. Uh, and like you said, you've got your culinary ones, and these are edible. You cook them up. So all you got to cook all your mushrooms for them to be effective. Uh, so like even those white button mushrooms or portabellas, don't eat them raw. you got to cook them because we don't have the enzymes to digest them ah, at okay. all. Okay. Yeah, so you got to cook them and prepare them. But then they also provide us with benefit because they have these special polysaccharides and terpenes too. They just don't have as great a range as, say, the reishi mushroom or the chaga mushroom has or even shiitake. Huh. It has some great research on it as an edible mushroom yep. that's really tasty yeah. and yeah. has great research supporting health and wellness. Um and then you've got these uh, beneficial mushrooms, or some people call them medicinal, and those tend to be really hard, woody, conch-type mushrooms. They're, they're not pleasant to eat. You can't chew them. They, they're really woody. And so you have to, again, prepare those in some way, usually through uh, decoction, which is an extended like uh, simmering of the mushrooms uh, and or using uh, an alcohol extraction of them. Okay. You're poisonous. They're the ones that are toxic to our bodies. They typically, they damage our liver tissue. And, uh, there's one called, uh, you know, the angel of death mushroom. And you can imagine why they call it the angel of death mushroom. Yes, yes. Um, it's a beautiful mushroom. It's white. It's gorgeous to look at, and it will kill you. Literally, uh, I think sometimes uh, it's within four hours of ingestion. So, it can so destroy your liver. Um, but you know, these you're not going to find in a supplement shop. Like we you know, obviously, <laughs> right? You know, <laughs> just <laughs> you know. That's, and that's I like true. to tell people, it's like. No one says go out into like a field and start eating anything that's green. Oh, well, if it's green, it's an herb. It's got to be good for you. No, no one ever says that. Yeah, yeah. And just like that, we would never say just go out into the woods and start eating mushrooms. No, you don't do that. Like yes. you go with someone who knows what they're doing. You have a field guide. You key out your mushroom and you take a spore print before you even think about eating it. Yes. And this is really important because there are some really deadly stuff out there. But then there are also the hallucinogenic mushrooms and these are now starting to come under study uh we're looking at how like the psilocybins uh these psilocybin or psilocybin mushrooms uh, can impact our consciousness and uh using really controlled amounts in controlled environments where you have uh, usually a therapist with you to process things like uh, end-of-life issues for people with terminal illnesses, uh, people with uh, severe entrenched PTSD or oh, depression, wow. oh. uh, 
And this work is starting to be amazing. Uh, they're starting to see some really beneficial outcomes, but we still need a lot. Uh, we still need to do a lot of research on it. And for sure, the hallucinogens, like just as an, as a clinician, like I don't, I don't really consider them to be recreational. If we look at how they've been used in traditional cultures, they've always been used in a ceremonial manner uh, under very specific circumstances. So, uh, you, you know, from that perspective, I think they can have tremendous uh, outcomes with people and really support people's, uh, especially their mental health and wellness. But we do need to take into consideration that it's, like you take a hallucinogenic mushroom and you're on a ride for eight hours and mm. you, you can't get off the bus. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> <laughs> and this is why you want to be doing that under the guidance of uh, a clinician that can help you process through any negative uh, content that can come up for you. Yeah. Well, that is really good therapeutically. Um, we have another phone call, uh, Jerry. Good morning. So this is Steve-O. Uh, hey, once again, man, what an eclectic panorama of health issues you cover, man. It's great. It's very informative. Thank I you. Thank you. Two questions for your guest today, if I may. You know, uh, mycology, what a subject. But, uh, you know, uh, when you're talking about mushrooms that fall into the category, I guess, of therapeutic or medicinal mushrooms, are there certain compounds that they've identified as unique to those classes of mushrooms that make them so beneficial for certain, you know, treating certain things like cancers. And secondly, you know, uh, when you're talking about, you know, he talked about the Amanitas, you know, the destroying angels and these common mushrooms most are familiar with, like shaggy mane or lion's mane and the morels. Uh, is there any, you know, because there are mushrooms so that just a taste could kill you, would you just also, just for, those of us that are more novice maybe recommend what you consider a definitive field guide just for people who want to learn more about it and, and learn more about the mushrooms we have here locally. And, and once again, just thank you for your comments to tell this great show. And I just really appreciate just the variety of topics we cover on a weekly basis. It's pretty, uh, it's incredibly informative and it's just greatly appreciated. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Steve-O. The first was, um, oh, now it like, it totally lost. <laughs> well, first, he was talking, well, out of my let, brain. I would say let's start with what you remember. I, I, well, was, I was trying guides. to listen to, yeah. So, yeah, the field guides. Uh, oh, the field so guides. Just to let right. you know, that's not my specialty, like going out into the woods and looking for mushrooms. I, I am not uh, like one of those, I'll give you a tour the and point out all the different mushrooms kind of dude. I've, I'm really, my specialty is clinical applications. But the National Audubon Society does have a field guide to North American mushrooms. Oh. I think that can be um, something that's helpful. Um, there are other regional ones uh, that you can find uh, oftentimes just popping onto Amazon and typing in mushroom field guides uh, can provide you with some some options. Uh, there is uh, 
one by Alexander Schwab, uh, which is Mushrooming Without Fear, The Beginner's Guide to Collecting Safe and Delicious Mushrooms. So um, that's another option out there. Uh, Every mycologist out there is going to have their favorite. So if you check with a specific uh, mycologist or maybe mycological society within your general area, they may actually have some really great uh, considerations and and, uh, field guides to help you get out there and start looking. Because as our caller said, there's some really delicious mushrooms out there, like lion's mane, especially up in your area. Really? uh, I thing can be really tasty uh and they grow on hardwoods so they can be really uh choice edible mushrooms for mm-hmm. sure mm-hmm. well we have another caller or maybe uh steve is calling back uh, good morning caller thanks for joining what's your name how can we help you yeah it's steve again i'm sorry just uh the first question i asked that uh i guess didn't uh get was i was asking about the compounds or substances that have therapeutic or medicinal benefits in mushrooms. Are they unique to certain classes of mushrooms? And if so, you know, what are they? And and if you could just explain that more, I'd be really interested in hearing your comments. All right, Steve-O, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for calling back. You bet. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Steve-O. Um, uh, yes, there are a, a a, a group of different compounds. So, and I started to talk about them earlier, the, the ones that we call polysaccharides. Um, these tend to fall and include substances called beta-glucans. Uh, there are others called heteroglucans and alpha-glucans. And huh. these are really complex polysaccharide structures. So they're built on like a regular sugar structure but they're um they're helixical in configuration they're three-dimensional they're super complex Uh, and these are the compounds that tend to engage our immune cells to help go after pathogens and cell mutations in our bodies Uh, so they engage things like our natural killer cells and macrophages which are the big eaters Uh, those are parts of our innate immune system that are uh, they're pre-programmed to keep us healthy and help us stay alive uh, for a long time. So those are the uh, those polysaccharides. You basically find them in anything with a fungal cell wall. Uh, so it's actually they range all the way from yeasts like brewer's yeasts uh, and Saccharomyces boulardii. Yeah, uh, those have fungal cell wall structures uh, just like uh, – you know, your lion's mane or shiitake or your agaricus species. Uh, there are these other compounds, though, uh, that can either be beneficial or not beneficial. So, like, amanitin is the poison in the amanita mushrooms that will destroy your liver. Oh, wow. But if Jeez. you look at those, uh, you know, other substances their other structures in other mushrooms they can impact everything from modulating the immune system which is keeping that immune system within the goldilocks zone right 
uh, and the Goldilocks zone means not too hot, not too cold, just right. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Okay, good. <laughs> good, good, yeah. All right. right. Um, uh, so these other substances, these these we would find like terpenes and sterols and lipids and enzymes, and they all fall into these other classes that function in the body differently depending upon what their structure is and uh, then their function in the body. Huh. Yeah, and this is why it gets so complex. Yes, yes. I hear what you're saying. A great question, uh, Steve-O. Thank you so much for that. We are, again, coming close to the end of the hour. We have a lot to talk about. One question that I have for you, Jerry, please help our customers understand when we're talking about the mushrooms. At this point, you're mentioning, for example, the lion's mane, and you say it grows over here. It's very delicious, delightful, all that good stuff. But my understanding is that your company that you educate for fungi perfecti, uh, fungi, fungi perfecti, and host defense is um, um, you use more mycelium and explain to people mycelium is one of the parts that you use, I understand. Um, Explain to us the difference between a mycelium, a sprouting, the sprouting body, and the fruiting body. uh, If you can do that, if you can start that discussion, please. Yeah, we'll start it because this can go on for quite a bit. I know. Um, So you've got the mycelium, which is the root structure, and that's the actual body of the mushroom. It has all of the life processes in there. It's where it digests the environment. It's how it protects itself. It adapts to its environment. There are primordia, which are these tiny little sprouts of adult fruit body. (laughs) And when a mushroom is ready to create a fruit body, it creates thousands of these primordia. It will then select a couple that then it decides to grow into an adult fruit body. And the adult fruit body is the reproductive organ. It, um, yeah, it matures spores, releases the spores, and then, especially with your softer gilled mushrooms, they, that fruit body only lasts for like a couple of weeks. Oh. And then, dies off in your polypores those uh, woody conch mushrooms they can last a couple of years uh, up to about a century like uh, with the agaricon mushroom Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, those can last for a good hundred years if the conditions are right but the mushroom mycelium uh, those can last centuries uh in fact so okay yeah. why don't we why don't we continue with that because it's fascinating to hear that and i think that yeah. as we're talking about medicinal and therapeutic mushrooms we need to understand what part of the mushroom are we talking about and i think it is uh, what 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 you have done your company has done is uh, has shown to be extremely successful and and a fascinating studies have come out of this so Let's do that. Let's listen to that. When we come back, folks, uh, we're going to continue with Jerry Angelini and Host Defense. Go to hostdefense.com. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Thank you so much, uh, Jerry. Uh, You called me yesterday after his flight from the East Coast. You came from the East Coast or you came from somewhere else? Uh, I was coming from Denver. Oh, Denver. Oh, that was not too bad then. (laughs) Yeah, not too bad. But, you know... uh, uh, 
yeah so airlines it's just a crazy experience right yeah like trying to get from denver to san diego you would think it would just be a quick hop i guess it really depends on when and who you're trying to fly with and yeah it ended up being a whole day experience because oh. with delays and everything oh, like that wow yeah. yeah it happens well i appreciate that you spent your time with us because i know you're an hour earlier than we are now, um, what a great what a great introduction already to the mushrooms. And uh, Jerry, yeah. at the end of the last hour, we started talking about mycelium because uh, yeah. we have the fruiting body, we have the sprouts that you that you call them the the primorbia, and then we have the mycelium. Uh, because when we talk about medicinal mushrooms, these are all parts that we need to understand in order to appreciate the value of what the mushroom has to offer. So yeah, the the mushroom mycelium uh, is really that root structure, and it's the actual body of the mushroom that so grows that's where under all, the ground. Right, it's growing into whatever oh, yeah. it's growing in. So whether it's wood or soil or grain, because like we grow our mushrooms on rice. Yes, and then. We also grow our mushrooms on wood because we actually use the whole mushroom. Um, when we grow the mushroom on grain, it's because you can eat it. Like you can eat rice, but you can't eat wood. You can't put wood into a, mm -hmm. a nutritional supplement, right? So we grow it on grain. The mushrooms inoculate that grain. They grow through it. They digest the grain so it's actually fermented rice by the end of it mm -hmm. and uh, the research we've done on the host defense product shows that both the mycelium and the fermented rice are immunologically active so oh. those that mycelium is robustly supportive and engaging of our immune system uh -huh. uh, especially the ones that are uh, they focus on um, uh, mutations, cell mutation recognition and destruction, and pathogen recognition and destruction. So those are those two really key important parts of the immune response. Oh, wow. the, fer the fermented rice engages the checks and balances in the immune system so that it doesn't get overreactive, right? So mm. uh, we've got these self-check mechanisms in the immune response. And, um, and we've been talking about this a little bit, actually, as we've gone through the show already, right? We want our immune system to be on, but we don't want it to be overreactive, mm -hmm. right? And so the mushroom mycelium and the fruit body and the primordia, they engage the immune response and the fermented rice and certain compounds found within the mycelium and the fruit body also modulate or keep that homeostasis. So you've got compounds like polysaccharides. Those are those complex sugars that I was explaining earlier. Yeah. Those engage the immune response and the terpenes or the alcohol soluble compounds and the fermented rice, they engage the checks and balances. And this is why we want a really, we want a whole mushroom, a complex extraction um, manufacturers associated with the mushrooms because there are a lot of people out there 
that have overreactive immune responses, yet they're also a little bit compromised because they get sick a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we don't just want to like go into the house and turn on all the lights, right? And turn all the music on as loud as you can. You want to go in there, treat the immune response like like an orchestra. You know, you've got a conductor that cues specific um, instruments in and they tell them when to get louder and when to get softer. And this is how we approach the immune response at host defense. And this is why we want people to do this complex uh, product that has the mushroom, the mycelium, the primordia, the fermented rice. It's all critical altogether. So how do you ferment your brown rice? Is that a part of the we, process by, uh, by, uh, yeah. uh, by adding the spores to the, my, to, to the brown rice and then they turn into mycelium and starts to ferment because of the temperature you keep it in? We actually start with mycelium. So we start with a culture, okay. um, the, the mycelium culture, and you liquefy it. Uh, you get lots of little mycelium in a liquid culture. Huh. You add that to so, sterilize. Uh, so they, they become real stringy like mycelium? That's what they look like? Yeah. So it is almost like growing yeah. sourdough or something? Exactly. Okay. And then you cook and sterilize brown rice you add your mycelium inoculant you seal it up but you know as long as it has like a like a patch for air exchange so co2 and o2 can exchange um and you keep them at a particular temperature and you watch for how they're growing through and how they're they're eating and digesting that rice and fermenting it and Yeah, so the ferment is the mycelium of whatever species we're growing. Um, and it's really just like you would be fermenting yogurt. Like, so you you take milk, you add your lactobacilli or your, you know, um, your bifidobacterium and, yeah. you know, you warm it up and you let it do its thing and grow. And on the other end, you've got yogurt or kefir, or, you know, you don't have milk anymore. You've got this other substance, right? And that's exactly how it works at Host Defense. And so have you, have you we, tried different mediums such as uh, corn yeah. or, um, yeah. uh, or uh, amaranth or something like that? Have you tried different ones, but it yeah. just seems that brown rice is the most consistent, or is there, was there a specific reason why you ended up with the brown rice? So wild uh, rice or something. uh, Yeah, I mean, that part happened a long, long time ago, although we do still uh, test different mixtures of rice and like, say, oat fiber or oat hulls or uh, we might look at uh, like looking at how wheat berries might impact the grow out or we might look at how quinoa or barley or other grains like that impact the grow out and the rice seems to be a really robust medium for okay for most of these species all right okay cool so that is the mycelium and then in the mycelium these thousands of sprouts start to grow yeah and then from those somehow there is a certain amount that becomes fr- fruiting bodies. What we see grow yeah. out of the soil or on the on the wood. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And and so the body. Can, so what happens to the the other thousands that don't become anything? Are they? They they reabsorb them. They reabsorbed in the fruiting body or in the mycelium. 
into the mycelium. Oh, okay. Okay. It's really cool. These these uh these beings are they are living adapting entities. Huh. And they grow into their environment, they do their work, and they continually test their environment to see which they think would be the best place for them to create this fruit body that's going to then mature the spores that will allow for reproduction. I see. Uh, I, I, you know, there's a part of me that really, you know, considers are they in fact sentient beings because they're, they're responding to stimuli. You know what I mean? Yes. They're, they're interacting with their environment and they change and shift their approach when they find something isn't as effective uh, as another route. It's really quite amazing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I'm, sure, amazing. I'm sure it yeah. is. Wow. Okay. So the fruiting body, what we're talking about is the part that we usually see with the eyes right. uh, very clearly. And that is what could be edible. Are mycelium yeah. edible? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are eating it already. So if you eat tempeh or miso, um, even vinegar, if you drink kombucha, yeah. there will be certain fungal species uh, in all of those mm -hmm. substances. Mm -hmm. uh, like the tempeh has a really nice fungal mat, and those are all mycelia, all that white stuff. Yeah. Um, miso, they mix it up so you don't really see it too much, but they're all in there. Huh. And then um, even some old school vinegars, you know how there's that mother at the bottom of like apple cider vinegar? Yeah. Um, it's that kind of, uh, it looks like a little bit powdery and dark brown at the bottom of an apple cider vinegar. There's mycelia in there. Yeah. And um, yeah, so yeah, you're, people are already eating them. <laughs> yeah, they are. All right, folks, Gesundheit with Jacobus. Um, we can talk about see, some of these medicinal mushrooms, Jerry, to give people a rough idea. So now we understand the mycelium. We understand yeah. the, uh, the, the what, what do you call it? There was a name for it. Uh, the, uh, the primorbia, which are these sprouting bodies. yeah. Prime, yeah. How do you say it? P-R-I-M-O-R-D as in dog, I-A. So okay. primordia. Primordia. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> and then we have the fruiting body and the spores, and it is grown at holes defense on a brown fermented brown rice. And so very good explanation, and it gives me a much better visual now how that's going. I'm a pretty visual guy. So right. uh, I, if I get it, I get it. <laughs> can I right. can explain it? It's awesome. So um, names that I know of are thing, uh, names of medicinal mushrooms are chaga, Turkey tail, um, reishi, maitake, lion's mane, shiitake. We have uh, cordyceps. So mm -hmm. some of you, uh, some of you may have heard about these mushrooms before. Yeah. You may have taken them before, and now you will we'll, we'll try to make you understand that all these. They all have phenomenal overlapping compounds, but also specific ones for that mushroom and the research that has been done as jerry mentioned in the first hour in china and japan because they have been so much a part of their culture for so long we're talking thousands of years their science uh, is now showing 
why they have been so successful over time for problems such as cancer, immune modulating, heart disease, brain health, uh, cognitive function, digestive problems. And so as we are discussing today, we hope to get to you some understanding about the brain health, the cognitive function, also about the gut health, because the, the digestion is a big issue with people. And we, we see more and more that people come in, I see them at least at the store, and that's why I'm talking about it, with uh, either stomach problems, uh, small intestinal problems such as small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or SIBO. We have IBS. We have colitis. Uh, that is one. The Chaga has shown good success with that. You hear that in the health pool that is coming up at 10 o'clock. So the medicinal mushrooms have shown to help regulate digestive issues, but also they have shown to work really well for cognitive function. And I thought, Jerry, maybe we want to start elaborating on that a little bit and uh, tell us some of the things that you would like to share with us, please. Uh, You know, brain health and cognitive functioning are huge in today's world. So I definitely, we, we can start off there and uh, then move and talk about the different mushrooms and how they can be supportive for digestive health and what we call the intestinal microbiome. Uh, and then we can even talk about, uh, you know, spring season stuff if you want. Yeah. Uh, and because that's, you know, <laughs> spring is springing, right? And not uh, here, is it? People- <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a little cold up there. We, we're expecting but, you know, snow on Monday, so. Uh. Oh my gosh! Right, <laughs> but you know, in a month, you you guys will come along with the rest of us down here. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, we can laugh about it then, but not now. Yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, I mean, if you want to start with the, the brain health and yeah. cognitive functioning, it, it's on so many people's um, minds, uh, no pun intended. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. big time. <laughs> right. And really, the, the star mushroom there is lion's mane. So, um, um, the research on lion's mane and uh, neurological support is specific to uh, a a class of compounds that are called cyathane derivatives. And these include hericinones and arinacines. Uh, Hericinones tend to uh, concentrate in the fruit body and arinacines tend to concentrate in the mycelia. Now, that's just with the research that we have. So we might actually find that in specific um, lion's mane mushrooms, there might be a different concentration in different parts. So we always take research with a grain of salt, right? I mean, we're always learning. So, and this is one of the things that I like to tell people. Uh, We have to be really careful how we read the research because research can be a little bit misleading if we really don't take it into consideration all the methods and, and, and whatnot associated with it. But mm-hmm. with the research that we have about lion's mane, we have actually found that it supports something called nerve growth factors in our body. Oh, wow. And the nerve growth factors, our own nerve growth factors, then signal our stem cells, the ones that live in our bodies, to differentiate and grow into neurological tissue. 
And this is brilliant because neurological tissue is really slow in regenerating, and at least in humans it is. It, it just takes time, and it takes a tremendous amount of nutrient too. So you've got to have really healthy fats like your omega-3s and your omega-9s, right? You want some yeah. really clean, stable, you know, stay away from oxidized and trans fats and you know, but those omega threes and nines are critical for cell membrane health and neurological health. <clears throat> and you know, your B vitamins, especially B twelve and B six, those are really important in neurological development. <clears throat> and um, uh, we want to make sure that we have adequate, like calcium and magnesium too and zinc and mm -hmm. boron so those micronutrients right and the lion's mane is kind of like a catalyst it tells our body to say oh we're, we want to grow more neurological tissue and it's been found in the preliminary research to support uh, peripheral neurological regeneration so wow. those are things like your arms and fingers and legs and toes but also in the central nervous system, so your brain and your spinal cord. Mm -hmm. So this is like whole body neurological support, which is really wonderful. Uh, and now everyone's going to respond to it differently. Right? What uh, we're seeing anecdotally, so in like clinical usage, is that the more acute the child, the problem. So say someone. Um, uh, you know, had an injury and uh, they started using lion's mane like a day after the injury. You're talking about brain like, injury or like a... Whatever. Okay. Could be oh. external, you know, oh. like could be a peripheral injury. <clears throat> They're reporting that their they're feeling better, quicker uh -huh. than say a person who had an injury five years ago. And this makes sense because, like, if you give your body five years, it's kind of adapted. It's created a new normal. And so uh, you're bringing in this substance that supports neurological functioning that's basically adapted yeah. uh, a long time ago. And it doesn't mean that you won't get any benefit. Uh, many people do report some benefit, like maybe increased cognitive functioning, uh, maybe even increased neurological receptivity uh, in their extremities. But they don't actually it's slow and it's maybe not as wow that was really amazing you know kind of experience yeah, whereas yeah, yeah. people with acute situations they tend to report back that they they've had some really amazing results mm. because of it yeah so we we like to just remind people that everyone is very different um, and timing of when you use this, the the mushrooms can potentially have an impact on uh, outcome. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, we have a call on hold, but I'm afraid that we may not be able to uh, to get it all in. So, caller, I am so sorry. Would you do us a favor and call us back right after the break because the music is starting to play right now, and uh, that means that uh, we have to take a break because the computer will cut us off. 
So anyway, thanks so much for listening today, folks. Jerry Angelini is now talking about the cognitive health and specifically the work with the lion's mane mushroom, which is, by the way, a gorgeous looking mushroom. It looks like a pom pom, so to say. They, they tell people say it reminds them of the manes of a male lion. And when you look at it, it's beautiful. It's beautiful white. And so there is there is continuous research going on about it. We'll talk more about that when we come back. So please uh, stay tuned. We'll we'll be right back. But before we go on, uh, we have a caller patiently waiting through the break. Uh, Good morning, caller. Thanks for joining the show today. What's your name? How can we help you, please? Yes, good morning. This is Corlin. Um, So I just happened to be in the grocery store, and I was wondering, are there any mushrooms that are commonly available that you can find often in a grocery store? And if that's the case, do we need to be watchful or careful to make sure and buy organic? Or are the regular mushrooms, could they be treated with something that would negate the positive effect? Okay. If there's any commonly found mushrooms. And um, if the ones that aren't organic, are they going to be treated with something that we should avoid? Yeah, a great mushroom that you can get in a lot of stores is the shiitake mushroom. And do do I think organic? Yeah, absolutely. So mushrooms hyperconcentrate whatever they're grown in. So uh, having an organic or certified organic mushroom means that it's going to be a healthier mushroom and there will be less substances for it to uh negative substances that it could potentially hyper concentrate um and we've seen mushrooms being used in myco remediation which is remediating soils that have been uh polluted in some way shape or form they're really really great at doing that but that means they usually absorb or take up those compounds and they can hyper concentrate them so Mm -hmm. um organic is the best um, it doesn't mean that eating a conventional, mu- conventionally grown mushroom is going to hurt you significantly, but I-, I would just be careful. It's like everything in our world today. Like we've just, we've done a lot to pollute our community and our world and our ecosystem. So that the, the more thoughtful we can be about that, the better. <clears throat> the, um, the shiitake is great. Cook it up, you know, chop them up really small, saute them, like really cook them, like throw in some great uh, uh, fat, like ghee, clarified butter, uh, olive oil, coconut oil, saute them for a good seven to 10 minutes, throw in a little cooking wine or a little vinegar. And, you know, so create a a little scientific lab in your kitchen, basically, (laughs) where you're going to get the best you can out of those mushrooms. You can make soups out of them you can stew them you can roast them they do better the more you cook them the better they are oh, for interesting. You because huh. that heat really breaks down those really tough fungal cell walls so that we can get at the good stuff inside of them mm. um <clears throat> so cook them cook them cook them um you can you can eat um button mushrooms and portabellas just make sure you cook them anokatakis are uh, on the rise in terms of mushrooms you can find at stores nokitaki um, 
Nokitaki? E N O. Enokitaki. Oh, Enoki. E N O. Yeah. Okay. Those are really delicious. They're milder in flavor than the shiitake. So, um, and they're usually these little. They've got these little small caps and delicate stems, and they're they're really pretty to look at. Yes. But they're they're also they have a really nice mild flavor to them. Uh, you can get dried morels. They tend to be pretty expensive. <laughs> yeah, unless you, there's a lot of people over here hunting morels. They got their own secret place, and they they some of them. I know one person who gets them by the truckload. Yeah, she's there. You go. Yeah, yeah. Chanterelles are also delicious. Mm -hmm. Oh, they're they're like really wonderful mushrooms. Uh, and again, just cook them really well. Like uh, let them uh, like develop in the saute pan. Yeah. Uh, and they really do. The more they cook, the the more you actually experience their flavor but also their benefit we're talking at the end of the last half hour about the cognitive function we are realizing that as people get older we see more and more alzheimer's developing it has a it's right. been a big problem i have discussed alzheimer's on the program before one of the things that i have brought up is that since we have gone on these long decades of fat-free low-fat diets whereby saturated fats was vilified by, by Ansel Keys, that all of a sudden we have seen people eating less fat, more sugars, which burn very quickly, whereby fats, the good fats, take a long time to burn, so they give us much more energy, they nourish the brain cells. We also have seen an increase in Alzheimer's in people who have been on statin drugs because they're being told that cholesterol is too high for whatever reason. And so the statin drugs, because cholesterol is important for hormone production, they have discovered the first hormone made from cholesterol is pregnenolone, which then converts into DHEA and progesterone in different directions. But that the people who have Alzheimer's, most of them, especially when they're on statin drugs, are very low on pregnenolone. So there is a direct combination to that. You already mentioned vitamin B12 and B6. You mentioned the fats. What is it that besides the dietary changes that people may have to implement in order to get more cognitive function at older age uh, and the little forgetfulness that we have anyway, what is it about the medicinal mushrooms such as the lion's mane, and I understand reishi as well, that is so good for our brain function? So they've been studying something called ergothionine, and this is a particular compound found specifically in the cell wall of all mushrooms. Uh, and there has been some correlational research that shows that people who are eating mushrooms and have higher levels of ergothionine in their bodies have lower incidence of cognitive decline. Huh. Uh, and so this is correlational. We don't know exactly what role it plays, but there is some thought that this, this compound has uh, an impact on our brain functioning and our nerve functioning. So uh, we talked a little bit about peripheral and body nerves. But yes. What we have seen in some human clinical trials with lion's mane in particular is that it was able to have a positive impact uh, in 50 to 80 year old people. Huh. 
um, with, that who were showing moderate cognitive decline. And the use of lion's mane positively impacted those individuals. It took about two weeks to kick in. And a month after they stopped the, the study, they started to see decline again. So, so it's not it's not a magic wand. It is food. It's nutrition that just like making sure that we have those, you know, omega-3s in our diet every day, we would really consider having lion's mane in our daily supplement regimen as well. Uh, and this is... Uh, these compounds that are specific to lion's mane, but also the ones that are found in all mushrooms. So your hericinones and aranacines and lion's mane, but our ergothionine in all of the mushrooms seem to have some protective or beneficial impact on cognition. So you, you say the ergothionine is found in pretty much all the medicinal mushrooms that you are working with. Well, all the edible ones too. Oh, the edible ones too. Okay. Yeah. So just eating mushrooms can is correlated with less cognitive decline, uh, and and I know that's a little confusing to think about it that way. But it's like, um, you know, how they correlate um, exercise with you know cardiovascular health. You know, so yes. if you get you know at least twenty minutes of walking and consistent physical exercise every day mm -hmm. it's correlated with better out cardiovascular outcomes yes. so eating mushrooms every day is correlated with less cognitive decline and is it so jerry that uh, when you take lion's mane that the concentration of ergothionines is higher than in lion's mane well there are ergothionines but there are these other novel compounds that are specific to lion's mane we don't find them anywhere else in the world okay. that also impact so you're getting multiple supports uh, when you're using lion's mane for cognitive functioning uh, and in also uh, there was a research study on lion's mane and mood uh, and showed that it supported mild to moderate uh, anxiety and depression. So, so wow. uh, <clears throat> yeah, it may, lion's mane may help balance mood as well as support cognitive functioning. Yeah, it is. Uh, the, the, you mentioned depression and mood and anxiety and OCD. These are all things that have shown to really um, affect a larger percentage of the population all the way from preteens all the way to ripe old age. And uh, we have to we have to admit that because of the changes in diet over the last fifty years, that generations have been affected, and uh, hopefully uh, we have to seriously look at it as a problem. We cannot just look at somebody who has an uh, as an amputated arm or leg uh, as somebody with a disease or somebody who has cancer or cirrhosis or something that we say, oh, that person is really sick. Mental health. Uh, and, and emotional health is very important because it is the stimulator to what the physical body can do. And I, I see indeed that through the generations with the suicides, the depression, the anxiety, the fighting that so many people have on a daily basis, this is a big, big, big problem. And I was not aware that all the medicinal mushrooms and including the edible mushrooms have these compounds that are very good for the brain and nerve, nervous function. 
Yeah. And it's, it's interesting, you know, um, when we're talking about mental health, you know, for sure, diet has a huge impact on that. But we are also more stressed out in our world today than we've ever been. Like these, like the technology that keeps people's brains engaged and always like on all the time and negative information that's continuously um, fed to us, these trigger specific fight or flight reactions within our body. And that continued stress over and over and over, it really, it, it, this is well proven, it degrades our health significantly over time. So really, like, turn off the TV, turn off your phone, or make sure that you have, like, like beautiful music or, like, watch some nature shows or stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, like, right. Get away from yeah. Get away from the news. Like it's just it's so negative right now in our world. Yeah. So bring back some positive. You know, they have those even on YouTube. You can you can get like the waterfall thing going on, or you can get like just it's like a movie of like a bubbling brook or something like that, and like mm-hmm. put it in the background or like have it so when you're looking at it, it's it's some beautiful that triggers what we call the parasympathetic nervous system or the rest and digest Mm -hmm. so that you have some peace in your body and in your mind like that's what we we really need to do that and what we've actually found is that reishi and lion's mane help down regulate that fight or flight mechanism so it takes people out of that hyper aroused state and it helps people just breathe and relax more, which is critical in long-term health. Mm-hmm. Uh, good point, uh, Jerry. Jerry Angelini, the, uh, the director of education of the company Host Defense Medicinal Mushrooms, uh, that are, who, that, which are available at the Gesundheit Nutrition Center in case you are looking for more information about it. We, have, uh, we also have books over there that you can browse through and look at some of the research that has come out. But if you are in the neighborhood today or next week, check out the Host Defense Medicinal Mushroom Group. And uh, maybe there is something for you in there. It's uh, very well possible because it, it, it covers a wide range of different um, uh, health issues. Um, I really, you know, Jerry, when when you listen to it, I, I think indeed that the, that the lack of nutrients have been a big issue uh, of cognitive decline. But at the same time, um, I heard somebody say the other day, I'm sure you've heard it too, with the whole social media and the smartphones and everything that that is going on, we are more connected than any other time ever in history. And still, depression and suicides are up because people are so lonely. It's almost an oxymoron. (laughs) How in the world is this possible? So there is either something that is an effect from the radiation from these little tools that we're looking at all the time that we feel we are engaged with that has an effect. I mean, they have they have looked at looked at the magnetic and electronic waves coming of of the different cell phones, and they see indeed that it can disrupt uh, nervous function oh, in our body. For sure, for yeah, sure. Yeah, and that's why yeah. I appreciate you saying we need to 
find time where we are disconnected and that we we go in yes. nature go for a walk uh, look at something yeah. positive etc yeah so when you talk about peripheral peripheral nerves there are people who come in the store and who talk about peripheral neuropathy uh, right. would lion's mane indeed has it shown to help people with peripheral neuropathy so the research is on animals at this point in time so we don't have any human clinical trials on it any and, anecdotal and this stories. Is what, right and that's really what we're coming at uh, at this at this point uh, the reports that we get and we hear just out in the field is that uh, for many people using lion's mane you know, maybe a gram, two grams, maybe three grams. You know, most people do really well at two grams. They, they find that it really, it helps. It, it supports their neurological system. They have, um, uh, they have better feeling. They have less, uh, um, some of the discomfort that can uh, be associated with peripheral neuropathy. Uh, but again, this is this is going to be very individual. Every person is going to respond very differently to this. Some people respond within a couple of weeks. Some mm -hmm. people it takes a good six months. Wow. Uh, some people get uh, really uh, a strong beneficial impact, and some people only have like a mild response. And so there's a lot we don't know still. Yeah. But what we do know is. But for the most part, it's a great supplement to help neurological tissue everywhere in the body. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that's good to know. And now uh, Hose Defense has come out with powders, which I, by the way, think is fascinating. You have come yeah. out with powder products that people can put in a shake or they can just yeah. take it straight. Your dosage is a little bit, you can go a little bit higher on, the, not, not, let me say, not, I shouldn't say dosage, right? I should say serving size. <laughs> Thank serving you very size, much. Yeah. Jerry corrected me earlier. He said, we don't talk about dosage because of the, the Shea Act. We talk about serving size. So the serving right. size is maybe easier for people to take. If you do a teaspoon of powder, that could be like three to five capsules. And so, it, it, so many people don't like to it's take It's actually capsules. more than that. Probably if is. you use a measured a measured teaspoon of that lion's mane, yeah. is three grams. That's six capsules. Oh wow! And okay. it's much more economically accessible for people. Yes, so it is. One one uh, canister of the powder is like three sixty count bottles. Wow! So you're getting a lot more. But the the challenge is that you then you got to get it in you, right? Sure. It's not just like taking a couple of capsules. Yeah. You got to put it in your food every morning or in a smoothie or in some water and shake it up and drink it. Yeah. Okay. So there's a little bit more effort associated with the powder. Actually, you can just take a measured teaspoon and throw it right in your mouth and wash it down with some water if you want. The taste is really, it's very mild. It's a little gritty. But it's really mild in its flavor. Okay. So you can put it in some tea if you want. You can. I wouldn't put it in coffee, but people do that. Mm -hmm. Whatever you know. Um, I actually put it in a little bit of coconut milk because I love oh. coconut milk. You yeah, know? yeah. Okay. It tastes great. Yeah, sure. That's yeah. a great idea. So that is new. That is relatively new for you. Uh, you have come out with a combination mm -hmm. of products that uh, that are good for brain health or energy 
or uh, yeah. you know the athletes, the the athletes amongst us. Uh, wonderful uh, yeah. idea, you know, definitely great. <coughs> yeah. So yeah, fun. one of those yeah, powders is called Brain and Body. Correct. So one of the powders is Brain and Body, and it has it's half lion's mane, twenty percent reishi, twenty percent turmeric, which is a big important herb. Uh, 20%, I mean, 5% ginger and 5% cinnamon. And this is like chai. It's really, it's, it's mildly spicy. It's warming and it's really great for joint health, for blood glucose regulation already with it. You know, um, it's not going to be a huge regulator, but it definitely supports that. It supports brain and nerves throughout your body. And yeah, it's just like that brain and body powder if you're if you like doing smoothies or adding it to yogurt or oatmeal that brain and body powder is delicious and, yeah, and really they're not very expensive i have to say for a month supply not, it's about yeah. uh, 29 dollars or something it's not uh, not too bad yeah yeah so uh, that's about a dollar a day for something that is very nutritious to the body yeah. uh, folks we are going to take uh, another break uh, we are at the top of the hour we have one more hour to go with jerry we'll be right back Is there are there any studies on PubMed that are done on medicinal mushrooms that you happen to be aware of? Oh gosh, PubMed is a great resource for re, uh, for mushrooms uh, that have been studied in peer-reviewed journal articles. Uh, also, Google Scholar is a great resource too. Okay, um, I would say ninety-nine point nine percent of the information on Google Scholar is researched articles. Uh, so, both PubMed.gov and GoogleScholar.com are. They're great resources to look up the research. Okay. And then the one that you have, the mushroomreferences.com, is that something yeah. that was set up by, by Fungi Perfecti? It was. And so it's much more specific. Yeah, It's not as wide in its breadth of of uh, references. So we take a look at uh, some of the research that's most recent and then we put it on mushroom references so that people can take a look at it great 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 and i appreciate that because we can talk all we want but if people actually have a chance to look up some things and learn more and become educated and see which mushroom could actually be good for them that'd be that'd be wonderful um in my Absolutely. commercial thank you so much in my commercial that I just played, I mentioned the chaga mushroom, which we brought up in the very first hour. One of the things that I mentioned is that it has shown anti-inflammatory properties in the intestines. And as we uh, discussed before the program, we said we do want to talk about intestinal health or digestive health in general because there is such a big issue going on. And I can come up with all kinds right. of explanations. Uh, one of them that I keep telling people, if there is any indigestive indigestion, be it bloating, gas, acid reflux, uh, diarrhea, constipation, anything like that, first of all, start with not diluting the stomach acid because the stomach acid is really important for um, uh, liquefying all the proteins and fats and carbohydrates and all the nutrients before they go down the pipe into the rest of the digestion. And I tell people that um, try not to drink 45 minutes before you eat. 
don't drink while you eat and try not to drink for 45 minutes after you eat unless in that whole let's say two hour period you maybe sip a little bit of liquid uh, maybe up to seven ounces if needed but if you don't need it get used to it you'll find out that your digestion is much better that is just one tip i have but the research on medicinal mushrooms jerry has been really well and chaga is one of them it mentions for ulcerative colitis uh what what can you tell us uh, please uh, about some of the digestive uh, suggestions that you have yeah so some great research for living in nature it's mostly on animals uh, but we do start to see that reishi and chaga and even lion's mane uh, have an impact in the intestinal tract in a couple of different ways. Uh, is that all three of mushrooms can modulate the immune response. So that means that uh, oftentimes what's happening in the intestinal tract there's uh, a specific set of tissues there called the gut-associated lymphatic tissue or the GALT. And this is um, densely populated immune tissue. And when we eat food that our body doesn't like, it triggers that GALT or the, the gut-associated lymphatic tissue and triggers an immune kind of hyper-reaction uh, Lion's mane, reishi, chaga, many of these have been shown in uh, digestive distress. We're having a problem with uh, your Balance audio. That immune response. I'm so sorry. We've been having some oh. issue with your audio, and uh, you keep cutting out. And so uh, I know that what you're, you're talking about, the GALT, the gut-associated lymphatic tissue that uh, I never heard about. Yeah. That's uh, very interesting. And uh, you're talking about yeah. that reishi, chaga, and lion's mane have effect on the intestinal tract, and they also help to modulate the immune response. So, um, okay, go ahead. Let's now. I, it yeah. also looks at your picture. Yeah, let's give it another try, Jerry. The lion's mane, the chaga, and the reishi—they balance that immune response in the intestinal tract. So okay. this can be really important for people who have reactivity to food and their digestive tract is super reactive or sensitive. Yes. The the other research on these three mushrooms has to do with the intestinal microbiome, right? So more and more people are hearing about the microbiome and this is all of those um, microbes that live in our intestinal tract that help us you know, digest our food and they, um, we've got both probiotic and pathogenic microbes. And, uh, what we know is that these mushrooms in preliminary research help our probiotic microflora like lactobacilli and bifidobacteria. Um, mushrooms help them thrive in our intestinal tract. Huh. Uh, and this is really great because we see that it's helping not just one aspect of digestion, it's ha helping like two or three modes of activity within our digestive tract. So the mushrooms help the immune cells function better that need to function better. It helps reduce overreactivity within the immune system. Yeah. And it helps our probiotic microflora thrive. Okay. Okay. Huh, very interesting. So, but not to the point, uh, as we sometimes talk about small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, 
now people start becoming ocebo people get worried that they have too many bacteria that that they're overdoing it on taking probiotics for example which i can totally understand and what i recommend people is do one brand uh, for for a month and then if you want to continue use another brand for another month and just different strains just start nourishing the uh, the bacteria so you don't get stuck to just one brand doing that all the time what you're saying is that the medicinal mushrooms have shown to go certain specific medicinal mushrooms have shown to go in the intestines and actually work more like a prebiotic kind of to help stimulate the the development and the health of the of our own bacteria Right. And the place they do this best is in the large intestine. So uh-huh. and this is really where you want all those bacteria. So SIBO isn't technically about too much microbes. It's about the they're not growing in the right place. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, really what we want is those microbes to colonize in your large intestine. Like so the lower part of your s- small intestine and throughout the large intestine. And SIBO is when those microflora are growing much higher up in the small intestine, right? And they're not supposed to. So we want to kind of bring all of that down lower in the intestinal tract. So the mushrooms uh, and things like bifidobacteria and your bacillus species like bacillus coagulans and bacillus subtilis, those are all large intestine uh, colonizing microbes. Yes, yes. And those are great. Uh, And we know that the mushrooms are prebiotics for those species, which is really wonderful. Yes. It, It specifically helps that large intestine function better too. Okay, so indeed, <coughs> excuse me, so indeed, the medicinal mushrooms using them in general for, as again, as a, as a, as a, as a food, as a concentrated food item that has so many micronutrients in it that different parts of our whole system, be it the body, be it the mind, be it in this case the intestines, the mushrooms literally will go where the body needs them and is therefore a great stimulant and an adjunct, uh, let's call it a therapy or a food for that that will that will make our body simply work better as a whole yes i agree huh uh, jerry angelini my guest he is the director of education of the company host defense and host defense and and fungi perfecti work with medicinal mushrooms they are available to the public in health food stores and so if you are looking for something specifically, uh, that is where you can find them. Beautiful boxes, beautiful decorated boxes. Um, we have books that will explain more about medicinal mushrooms if this interests you. But this is, again, as I mentioned in one of the commercials, another thing that you can think about that may be very beneficial to you. So you mentioned the the, the reishi, the chaga, and the lion's mane that have good results on our intestinal tract how about um, turkey tail turkey tail comes up quite a bit as far as the immune system is concerned and we do know that such a big part of the immune system starts in the gut it's true so turkey tail does help in response it's great 
engaging those important protective mechanisms. Yes. Um, and it is also a great prebiotic. Uh, so definitely we can put turkey tail in that grouping as well. Excellent, excellent. And turkey tail, I tell you, folks, you heard the commercial earlier. Uh, turkey tail has been has been used. Uh, that is that is a mushroom that you really really want to look into because uh, when you look at the research, turkey tail has been mentioned, and I know that Jerry cannot really talk about this at this point, which is fine. But in the research, turkey tail is being used. On, in animal studies on different forms of cancer to help with existing therapy. So they, they actually see that the, um, that the, sometimes the chemo and the radiation work better with the medicinal mushroom than just the medicinal mushroom or just the therapy. So this is really positive news for those of you who decide that if you are suffering from a from a such a debilitating uh, diagnosis as cancer, and you decide to do chemo or radiation, that if you use medicinal mushrooms such as maitake or turkey tail in conjunction, you will find that there are less side effects, less side effects of the therapy, and the therapy works better. So that is something you may want to keep in mind. And uh, as we come back after the break, uh, I'm going to talk to Jerry on his own uh, phone. And then uh, hopefully we have the great connection to finish out the show. Uh, lots of good information coming your way today with Jerry Angelini. And I do hope that you are enjoying yourself as well as you're listening today. And we are going to be right back. Thanks for listening today. One thing, before we go back to Jerry, one thing I haven't even mentioned, which is that today I'm really proud. This is the 900th live show. I've been I've been looking forward to this moment that when would it happen? When would it happen? And so today uh, it's uh, live show number 900. Uh, uh, by July, it will be 19 years that we've done the show. But 900 is a pretty good number. And so I'm excited now to start the road to 1,000. And with a little bit of luck, we hit that in two years, maybe around the same time, right? Uh, but 52 weeks, there may be a couple of weeks that I will take off. But uh, 900 shows, talking to experts has been an amazing journey for me. So I thank all of you who have been with me for so long, for almost these 19 years, and many of you have just started listening. Thanks so much for doing so. I hope you get something out of these uh, these programs because the guests are great. They love to do, they love to talk about what they do. And so here we go. We have another great guest and Jerry, uh, when he said he was going to be show number 900, I thought this is great. So Jerry, thanks so much for being with us and spending all this time with us uh, this morning. Oh, it's a real pleasure, and congratulations. That's quite, a, it's quite an accomplishment. I mean, 19 years of doing a show, 900 shows, that's really impressive. Ah, thank you, and still stuck in Bozeman. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because I, uh, when I just started out, Jerry, I thought, I really want to go nationwide. I want to go syndicated. That's what I want to do. And um, yeah. after five shows, I, I talked to the general manager at the time, and he said, well, get a few more shows under your belt, and then we'll see. 
And now here you are 19 years later, and I go, it's not really what I want to do. I'm not aiming for a nationally syndicated show because I so much enjoy sitting over here locally and talking to the local the local people, uh, the people who know who I am, who have met me, who can come and say hi. Uh, I feel that connection is, to me, very valuable. Uh, I, I do enjoy people. I do enjoy people's stories. And so I really feel I'm chatting with them about what's going on in the world around me. And if you go syndicated, there is too many too many influences that start changing the format of the show. And the the people at Town Square Media here have given me this format, which only has a break at the top and a break at the bottom. And therefore, I'm able to, to do a show where we really can hit some of the meat of the topic instead of constantly going to commercial breaks and, and, and having all these commercials that you have to do. So this is great for me, and I hope to continue with this uh, as long as possible. That's awesome. Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, Jerry Angelini, so I, I, we were just talking about gut health. We had some issues with the audio, and uh, yeah. we, we were talking about how the specific mushrooms, such as chaga and lion's mane and reishi and also turkey tail, have shown immune modulating effects and in the intestines how they help to be to work like a prebiotic giving the body the micronutrients the microbacteria that are needed for the proper digestion and absorption of the absorption process of nutrients and is that fair to say uh-huh. yeah absolutely yeah they they help um these really important microbes in our intestinal tract thrive uh, and that can be as important to a healthy digestion as removing offending substances. So for people who have like celiac, uh, removing gluten is critical for them to be healthy. Yeah. But it's also critical for them to have the right microbes in their intestinal tract, like bifidobacterium, uh, and even some of those bacillus species like coagulants. And we know that these mushrooms support their proliferation, their growth, their food for our microbes, while at the same time balancing the immune response in the intestinal tract. Yeah, it's a big issue. Um, I don't know if you, when you talk to people, if you also ever address the vagus nerve uh, and and the effect that the vagus nerve has on digestion and the body-mind mm-hmm. connection. Um, mm-hmm. Do you see indeed that the use of the medicinal mushrooms on a daily basis can help the digestion and therefore also calm the mind? Well, we already talked about cognitive function, but that yeah. there is a response between the two. So, uh, and this is where things get a little tricky. Uh, okay. It can be difficult trying to tease out, uh, do we attribute the increased balanced mood to the support intestinally? Do we attribute it to some of these compounds like um, the that lion's mane and reishi have that help balance the neurological system? Does it impact brain chemistry? And we're still trying to tease out what's doing what. Uh, and so I would probably say because the mushrooms are so complex that it's probably some of all of the above. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, we just don't know how much to attribute to what part. Okay. Jerry, um, one mushroom that we haven't really talked much about is cordyceps. 
And the the yeah. cordyceps, I I still am a little confused. We call it a medicinal mushroom, but it is a fascinating organism how it works what it eats i would like you to explain it because sometimes we say yeah. it grows on the silkworm and it, it, it's just not one of those ones that has the mycelium or does it have mycelium it grows on something oh it sure does yeah it has mycelium cordyceps militaris is a species that we use at host defense it's easily isolated and then grown on organic brown rice which is really amazing in the wild, it grows on insects. Uh, and one of the challenges with that, of course, is you get cross-contamination from a number of different other species and other microorganisms. So oh, okay. um, when we grow it at host defense, we isolate the Cordyceps militaris, and it's been shown to have a huge range of beneficial activity from supporting muscle function and reducing lactic acid, but also increasing oxygenation in while we're breathing, so uh-huh. it helps lung function too. Mm. Um, so it's, a, it's an energizing mushroom. It tends to create a lot of energy in people's systems, uh, which can be really helpful for people who are struggling with their energy levels. Um, um, but it can also be helpful for athletes, uh, you know, whether you're, you know, you're, trying to participate in an athletic event, or maybe you just want to increase your uh, day-to-day athletic activity, like you want to start walking like a half an hour or 45 minutes a day. You can use cordyceps to help you transition, give you more energy, help your body adapt to the exercise and reduce that lactic acid buildup that can be really uncomfortable. while increasing your lung functioning at the same time. So uh, it's a really, it's an incredible mushroom. All of these mushrooms are really incredible, you know? Yes, they are. They're, they're really profound in how they support uh, our body. Now, the cordyceps mushroom became very well known in, I think, the 90s when the Chinese mm-hmm. athletes were breaking records left and right and started saying that they, they were shaving time of their athletic performances, especially some of the more long distance uh, by, by 10, 15 minutes at times. And the, uh, they, they said, well, we're using cordyceps during our uh, training regimen as part of a dietary intake. And what, what have you, from studies like that, what have you seen how long people need to take this to start seeing some changes? Because we're living, sadly enough, in a, in a society where people expect that when they take it tonight, tomorrow they're going to be so much better. And so they're a little impatient instead of looking at the long-term effects of, uh, and of, yeah. of the benefits. The liquid cordyceps, people yeah. will feel it in within like ten minutes, twenty minutes. Wow. Yeah, you'll you'll actually feel energized if you were to take one or two dropperfuls of the liquid cordyceps. Huh. You'll you'll feel that really rapidly. Capsule takes a little bit of time. Uh, it takes about maybe an hour or so before it really kicks in. You gotta digest through it and you gotta do some digestion yourself. Uh, of that material and then absorb it so it can take like an hour maybe two hours before you feel it uh, but even first-time users that liquid cordyceps that will go right to work for you huh so if you yeah. have you need some energy you need some support of the lungs this is a 
wonderful, wonderful mushroom. And I tell you that yeah. if you folks have a chance, do your own research on what has been tested with cordyceps. Yeah. Phenomenal. I mean, the, the studies yeah. on some debilitating diseases and cordyceps has been well published and well respected and the anecdotal information that's coming out from people using it there are blogs about it there are articles about it so you can find more information especially if you're struggling with some of these health related issues now i want to ask you something else as far as products are concerned um, mm -hmm. host defense a great line very pure organic uh, it's wonderful that uh, i heard you explain in another interview one of the products that the host defense has is called the Stamets 7, named after Paul mm -hmm. Stamets, his seven favorite mushrooms. There is another one that is called My Community, and that yeah. is 17 different mushrooms. I heard you explain the My Community. It's fascinating, and I this is one of these mushrooms that I, I often tell people, just get the mushroom that you want, and this is the My Community is like a multivitamin, but... That is, it's really a very special product. Can you explain that to us, please? Right. So it's not going to give you a USRDA of your vitamins. It's more um, like you can compare it to a whole body support. Uh, you've got cordyceps reishi, chaga lion's mane. It's got maitake in there. Agaricus blazii and Mesima. So we've talked about five of those mushrooms. So it's going to help everything from neurological support. It's going to help with energy. It's going to help uh, the intestinal tract. It's going to help lung functioning. Uh, it really, it, it, it hits the whole body. Uh, so for people that are oftentimes, well, you know, I got this going on and I got that going on and I have this other thing too, or maybe they just want to feel better overall in their life, Stamina 7 is a great place to start. Okay. Uh, and you've got a, capsules or powders or liquid. Uh, if you do the powder, you can take a half a teaspoon. So, like, measure it out like a measured half teaspoon. You can put it in the smoothie. You can put it in your yogurt or your oatmeal or your cereal. Or maybe use a full teaspoon. Uh, which would be three grams, and that's going to really energize you as you go through your day. It's a I great, see. great way to get um, the, the mushrooms and that fermented rice substrate in your body uh, in a really nice amount. Uh, but for people that want to do capsules, you can take one or two at breakfast, one or two at lunch. Uh, if you like liquids, you can do a dropper full or two at breakfast, a dropper two, uh, a dropper or two at lunch. Uh, notice again how I'm keeping it in the beginning of the day because these energize people, especially over time. So the longer you use them, the more your body responds to them. And if you take them at 9 o'clock at night, you may find yourself up for a couple hours. So, so huh. Yeah, take them during breakfast, lunch, maybe before dinner if you've got a long evening ahead of you and you want to give yourself a little bit of an extra boost. Um, you can do it like around five, four or five o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. But yeah, breakfast and lunch is best. Okay. But to my community, because it has all these 17 mushrooms, that is, I, I think I heard you explain before that they synergistically give each other more 
power than the milligrams you actually get in the in in that specific product. Uh, they work synergistically to help each other function better. Is that correct? And that's what the preliminary research is showing us that there is there's an additive effect that they have on engaging the immune response. So if you really want to get your immune system in the fight, so you've got some kind of cancer situation or you're fighting a cold and we're not talking about curing these things. We're talking about engaging your immune response. That my community is going to be great for that because you've got this synergism that's occurring and these 17 mushrooms really get your immune system into the fight. And like we said earlier, you know, your serving size, even though it says one gram, that's for a healthy individual, right? Yes. Um, But if you want to, like, supercharge your immune response, maybe you're doing two grams or three grams or four grams a day, you know, while you need to, to really get your body into action. Yes. And then you back down to about a gram a day so that Maybe you two, maintain yeah. it. One or two. Okay. Well, yeah. that's, uh, that's... Yeah, I mean, especially if you have an ongoing issue... You know, maybe you just take two grams a day, or you switch over to Stam at seven, and you do two to three grams a day of Stam at seven. You know, I see. Um, but you know, this is this is kind of the way you can use these different products to support each other and get your immune system strongly engaged in the process. I see. I do want to ask. Uh, something that was announced in as part of the promo that is work done on honeybees. Can you tell yeah. me what's going on? So Host Defense, uh, Fungi Perfecti, and Washington State University, uh, the Department of Entomology, have been working together to collaboratively find a response to colony collapse disorder, uh, which is a situation with honeybees and bumblebees and wild bees where the varroa destructor mite, this is a, a small parasite, um, feeds on bees but also vectors in viruses that are really damaging to those bees. Uh, and what we found uh, and uh, with working with Washington State University is that uh, the reishi mushrooms, those mycelia, the root structure, they secrete these substances that are antiviral in bees. It's been shown to reduce the viruses like deformed wing virus and Lake Sinai virus uh, significantly. Uh, so we're, we're really excited. The, the first set of research uh, has been very positive. We've even published in uh, Nature Scientific Reports on uh-huh. the effect of polypore mushrooms against bee viruses. And uh, we're working at this point to the next stage, which is uh, figuring out how to work with the U.S. Department of Agriculture to create a product that can be used uh, to support bees with beekeepers and whether you're a big you know, company or whether you're a hobbyist beekeeper. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so we, we got a couple of hoops to jump through before we can even talk about a product. Yes. But the preliminary research and the studies we've done with bees so far in conjunction with Washington State University have been really, really hopeful and positive. Uh, and, yeah, it's very, very exciting. 
There is a website, and uh, I don't know if that is related with yours. It's called Give Bees a Chance, like you have yeah. Give Peace a Chance, Give Bees a Chance. Is it givebeesachance.com or .org? I think it's .org, and there's okay. also Bee Friendly Initiative, which is B-E-E, yeah. Friendly Initiative, .org. That's another one you can look at, or WSU.org. Edu, so Washington State University. Edu, uh, and then you just type in, I think, Bee Friendly Initiative or Bees, or and, you know, just do a little search at wsu.edu too. Yeah, and and uh, they say indeed that every third bite of food that we put in our mouth is there because of the bees, the work that they do. And if we do not watch it, bees will be extinct in five years. Uh, that's the way the, the prognosis is. So we got to help the bees. Very important. Don't kill them. Serve them. Jerry, yeah. we'll come to the end of the hour. I thank you so much for spending all your time with us. I wish you the best with all your studies and research, and I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you, Yakovis. It's always a pleasure being on with uh, on the radio show with you. Thank Thanks you so very much. You bet, folks. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. See you then.